Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read this because in Acts chapter 20, uh, this is uh, the Apostle Paul saying goodbye. And this is considered uh, the most, one of the most, well, the most heart-wrenching farewells addresses uh, in the Bible. And the reason I want to read this to you is because uh, the Apostle Paul is leaving here the Ephesians. He started a church in Ephesus. And the Ephesians were there, and he lived there with them for years. He just spent a couple of years just living there with these people. And for us, we all, we all understand that church right now is, uh, is kind of crazy. There's just all types of churches right now. I mean, if you want a hip-hop church, baby, you can have one. I mean, I want a hip-hop church. Some of y'all, some of y'all see what y'all see, how you dress. If you want a techno church now, you can have one, baby. If you want a quartet church... There's one out there. If you, don't, if you want to watch, if you want church in your jammies, you can sit at home and watch church in your jammies. I mean, now there's churches, all different types of churches. We're living in an unusual time in church history. But in the book of Acts, this is the birth of the church. There was no churches. I mean, they were going from house to house. There was no really buildings. They would get together in the, in the courtyard and in the marketplace. And people would gather around. And it was open to everybody. I mean, they would be out there buying their groceries. And then people would just get together. And somebody would stand up and start preaching and would gather a crowd. And the church was just in this transitional, birthing, crazy, amazing time. And the Apostle Paul is going from city to city to city and he's just preaching his guts out I mean he just he says day and night I labor for you he's just out there preaching and 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 the church is multiplying people are coming into the kingdom of God by the thousands and the tens of thousands and people are just on fire and it's not for the Jews the Jews are certainly welcome to participate but but what's happened is Jesus was a Jew but he died for all of humanity and the Jews rejected the teaching of Jesus but the but the Gentiles they really liked it because they went from worshiping these totem poles and these asher poles and now they're seeing people legs growing out and deaf ears opening and blind eyes popping open substantial miraculous miracles and the Jews are trying to make light of it and say no it's heresy because they see their tradition going down the toilet but the Gentiles it's like fire shut up in their bones and man they're getting feel the Holy Spirit and it's just pandemonium it's awesome I mean y'all know you can get real spiritual and but you don't have a whole lot of structure so the Apostle Paul he comes in and he starts he starts giving structure to it and starts starts why well what gave him the authority well the Apostle Paul is a brilliant man number one he's fluent in multiple languages he, he he memorized the first five books of the Bible this guy's no joke I mean he's a zealot he's a Pharisee he is a Sadducee he is one of those Jews that just knows everything Everything about everything. He made a 36 on his ACT. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You almost don't like him because he's so smart, right? He did really good. Got a lot of IQ in your life. Nerd. Just kidding. But just he just knows so much, and, and just he would you can imagine he he just was brilliant, and he hated Christians, but he got saved. And after he got saved, the Bible says he went to the wilderness of Arabia for for, for years. 
He went out into the wilderness and the Bible says that Jesus would visit him. The risen Savior would visit him and gave him what we now know to be Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians and First and Second Thessalonians. He unveiled to him what he called the mystery of the gospel. He took him from Genesis to Isaiah to Job to Nehemiah and showed him the scarlet thread that flowed from Genesis to Revelation which was the blood of Jesus. The rope that hung from Rahab whenever she I mean just all of the scarlet thread the blood of Jesus that was prophesied from the moment Adam and Eve sinned God killed animals and made clothes out of them to cover them and to hide their shame and we see the blood in Genesis the first book of the Bible all the way through the end well we know these things now right because we've been living in the church for thousands of years but the the people in Ephesus were ignorant they had no idea and and Paul got all of this information from Jesus just by him visiting him and then he goes and he starts giving it to people and then you'll see if you read the book of Ephesians he says this word mystery and dispensation and mystery just means God showed me the mystery and there's a dispensation or now is the time for it to be dispensed I got good news for you that, that you being here today, you find out mysteries, but it's not just for us to hold. We're supposed to be dispensers, right? We're supposed to be pharmacies. We're supposed to be dispensing what, uh, uh, what we receive from him. So this is what the book of Ephesians is. And after two years, he spent with Ephesus and now he's about to tell them goodbye. He's telling the, the Ephesian church goodbye. And he tells them, he says, I won't see you ever again. This is it. I'm, I'm moving on. So in Acts chapter 20, I want to read this before we get into Ephesians. Because I just love it. It's awesome. And it, it, you won't understand the fruit if you don't understand the tree. So you won't understand Ephesians if you don't understand Ephesus. If you don't understand the people. If you don't understand Paul. If you don't understand the struggle. I mean, I know sometimes you got to know the struggle in order to really enjoy the reward. Pushing that baby out's hard. I ain't never done it, but it looks hard. But you get the baby out of the struggle. Verse number 17 of Acts chapter 20. It says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church. And when they came to him. He said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, I served the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. I kept nothing back that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and I taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord our Lord Jesus Christ and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me except that the Holy Spirit in every city is saying that chains and tribulations await me what's that mean he says I'm leaving and I don't know what's going to happen to me but everywhere I go, people are giving me a word. How many of y'all like to get a word? How many of y'all know you go to a conference, you're like, give me a word. I need a word. Can you speak a word over my life? But the word he kept getting was, you're going to jail. 
I mean, I know we don't want those words. We don't ever want that word, right? If somebody gives us that, you know, train, chains and tribulations are in your future. She's full of the devil. Shouldn't even be at this conference. That's not a word. But everywhere he went, he wasn't getting like, in your future, you're going to do awesome things for Jesus. No, he's going, you're going to the pokey, right? You're going... <laughs> You're going to jail. Chains await you. Tribulation awaits you. Then your future does not look bright. And yet he says, he says, verse 24, he says, but none of these things move me. I love that. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. You will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God. Which he purchased with his own blood. I mean, I know this church was purchased by his blood. The ability to be in his church. He said, you need to take care of it. You need to not, not take it for granted. You need to watch out for it. He, he died for this right. Take care of the church. He says that he, he purchased it with his own blood. Verse 29, it says, For I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And after he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them and they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck. And kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. They wouldn't see him no more. They put him on the ship. Now, uh, it, later on, he gets exactly what, what was told him would happen. He gets arrested. How many of you have been arrested? Don't raise your hand. Uh, if you've been arrested, uh, he, he totally got arrested. And uh, he got thrown into a Roman jail, a Roman prison. But he was there for two years. And uh, while he's there, he wrote the book of Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. He wrote five books while he was in that Roman jail. I mean, I know that the Lord will help you make the best out of a bad situation. Come on, you may be in prison right now and you feel like, man, I've been stuck in this rut. I'm stuck in this plant. I'm stuck in this, this. I'm stuck in whatever you feel like you're stuck in. And yet God can, out of that, come something that would change the history of the planet. Can you imagine? I mean, out of Colossians and Ephesians, all this came out of a man in jail awaiting his head to get chopped off. But instead of being depressed and uh, the mully grubs, he just got out his pen 
and went to writing. And he starts writing back to the Ephesians. Why? Because he loved them. He wept freely for them. He longed for them. He poured his life, his guts. He said, with tears, with trials, I gave everything to you, all that I got. He said, I wasn't after your silver. I wasn't after your gold. And I wasn't after your clothes. I was after you. And I was pursuing you. And I wanted you to understand the mystery that I understand. I want you to be arrested by him who has arrested me. I want you to fall in love with him who, who, has, who has infatuated my life. And so he starts reading, he starts writing the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians, and I don't have time, man, we could go through the whole thing and it'd be so good, but just in Ephesians chapter 1, just in the first chapter of Ephesians, we see Paul saying things like, you are accepted in the beloved. You are forgiven already. You don't have to, you're not working for it, not trying to get it. You're already forgiven. You are in the beloved. You are, uh, uh, I'll read them to you. There's a, there's, there's a bunch of them. He says that you, you are adopted as a son. We find that in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I got good news for you, people in Ephesus. You've been adopted. God is now your daddy. And nobody adopts something they don't want. Come on, you don't go to the pet place and adopt something that you don't want. No, you, you've been adopted. God sought you out. He did everything for you. You're accepted in the beloved. He says, you are chosen. You are chosen. I chose you. You are blameless. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are destined for, he says, I have a destiny, I have a future for you. You are forgiven. Uh, all in just that, that's verses 4, 5, 6, 7, 11, and 13. Just the first few verses, he just starts blowing our mind with what we are, what we have, and what we can do right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And that just means right now, you're already blessed. Right now, you're already sealed. Right now, you're already forgiven. Right now, you're already accepted. Right now now right now you don't have to you don't have to earn it you didn't do anything to earn it you couldn't earn it if you wanted to right now so he's writing these Ephesians and he's trying to get over to them he says God's already done something in you that is exceeding abundantly above anything you could ever ask think hope or imagine all you've got to do is just step into it and sit down all you got to do is step into it and sit down. So the word that I want to kind of, I want to look at is, 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 is the word sit. And we're going to take today and just kind of look at this word. Because if you don't understand uh, your position, you'll never understand your power. If, if you don't understand your place or where you are, you'll never understand uh, who you are and, and what you have and what you can do. And, and in the book of Ephesians, the first couple chapters, we have this word sit. The next couple of chapters, we have this word walk. And the next couple of chapters, we have this word stand. In other words, you can't stand against the devil unless you first learn how to sit. And you can't walk before your people or before your peers unless you first learn how to sit. So I want to read in, in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse number 17. And we still haven't prayed after we read this. I promise we're going to pray just so that we can go into it. Right. Ephesians chapter 1. If you got it, say amen. 
I'm using paper instead of my iPad, so it, it takes me a second, but, but I like paper. It's got all my notes, and it's all tore up from the floor up. <laughs> verse number, we're going to start at verse number 16, because remember now, this is Paul writing from jail to these people that he lived, that left, that he lived with for a couple years, and he says, I don't cease to give thanks for you. I don't cease to pray for you. I'm still praying for you. And I make mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he's praying. He says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all chapter 2 and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses in sins. What I want you to notice, if, if, if you were to read this this week, how much past tense there is in this book. This is all the stuff that's already happened. Not stuff you have to try to get. You're not trying to, trying to earn it. He's already made you alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin. You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. We were fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature, we were children of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Last verse. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father God, for uh, the entrance of your word, giving light, giving understanding. God, we, 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 we humbly ask for you to give us what Paul prayed for. God, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, enlighten the eyes of our heart, even right now, to help us know the hope of your calling. Help us know the power that we have as believers and help us understand our placement that we're seated with you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Now, uh, how many of y'all like naps? <laughs> now, if I were to ask children, I'd say, how many of you children like naps? How many of y'all know children don't like naps? <laughs> but how many of y'all think that there's something sanctified and holy about a good nap? Yes, 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 yes. The Lord's speaking now. See, y'all were kind of, you were already starting to nap, but now the Lord is, he's awakening to you. You're, he's speaking to you right now. Yeah, there's, there's something. I'm not a huge napper on Sundays. I like to take a nap. I like to uh, eat ice cream and watch uh, golf or something like that and fall asleep. 
you know, I fall asleep on about hole number three and walk, wake up on about hole number 17, which is perfect. So then I get to watch them come down the 18th hole and I see who wins and they hold the trophy and it's awesome. The rest of the time, I'm not a huge, uh, I'm not a huge napper and uh, my kids don't really nap. Uh, my noble naps some and uh, he did go through a thing about a year ago where he was sleeping all the time so we had to ask the doctor say why why is noble always sleeping and he said well he's going through a growth spurt and when you rest is when you grow and I thought well that doesn't make no sense he says no whenever you're resting is actually when your body is rebuilding and is growing and you know we think of times whenever whenever we're whenever we're working out that's really where we're growing right we're at the gym and we're hitting it I really don't but some people they're at the gym and they're just really going after it tearing it up and they think that that's really when they're growing but really you're growing whenever you're resting uh, how many of y'all remember going to the mall with your mama when you were a kid and she was shopping now you have Amazon Prime you don't have to do this so much but I remember being in Sears I mean I remember Sears that used to be all the rage man Sears baby uh, we need to pray for Sears uh, <laughs> Sears used to be all the rage and I would go with my mama to Sears and she would shop and uh, I would play inside the clothes I mean, I remember getting inside the clothes, knocking all the clothes off the rack. Your mama getting mad at you. Get out of the clothes. You're knocking all the clothes off the And then we would go to Penny's. How many of y'all remember Penny's? I know we still have them, but not many people go. Uh, Penny's, we would go to Penny's, and then we would go to Kmart. How many of y'all remember Kmart? Some of these stores are, man, Amazon's taking over. But we would go to Kmart, and after all these stores, what did you just want to do as a kid? Just sit down. Is there anywhere... I could sit down and then you would find a chair, right? You would find a long chair and then you would sit there as a kid. How many of y'all remember doing this? How many of y'all ever been with a man to Bass Pro? You're going Bass Pro and you see all the women like this. Like, oh my God. Or if you go to the mall, you see, you see the men. <laughs> you go in pennies, you'll see there'll be like three men waiting on a chair. You're just like, oh my God, kill me, kill me. <laughs> Kill me, I'm ready to get out of here. I'm ready. I'm ready to what? Sit down. I just wanna just wanna sit. Just wanna rest. Just want just want to relax. Because whenever we sit where all of our weight goes from us to something outside of us, doesn't it? Where we sit, all of our weight, it goes from our muscles and from our bones and from our joints and from our ligaments. And all of our weight is transferred to something outside of us. In the first position that Paul tells us here, he says, if you don't understand how to sit, you'll never learn how to walk. And if you don't know how to walk, you'll never learn how to stand against the enemy. In other words, he says a lot of times people are trying to stand against the enemy, but they're out of position. Because the first position of every Christian should be a position of sitting. It should be a position of just rest. All of me on all of him. All of my weight is on something outside of me. And he says, he says that God has raised Jesus up far above every principality and power and might and spiritual wickedness in high places. And you 
hath he raised up together with him and set down at the right hand of God. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Far above, he says, you're seated with him in heavenly places. Whether you feel like you're seated from God's perspective, whenever he looks at you, he sees you seated with him in heavenly places. In other words, most of us as Christians are always fighting for victory. And God's trying to show you that you're really fighting from victory. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Far above. You're far above your situations and your circumstances. You should have his perspective his power, his might, and his authority. And with that place, once you're seated, then you can overcome sin and you can walk it out and then you can stand against all the wiles of the enemy and having done all to stand in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, he teaches us how to take up the whole armor of God and stand. But in Ephesians 1, he says, if you don't understand your position, you'll never have power. If you don't understand where you're at, In God's mind, you're seated with him in heavenly places. If you remember, uh, Jesus gave a parable. He says, man, uh, uh, a man had a great wedding and a great feast and a great table. And at that table is everything that you could ever want, hope, think, dream, or imagine. This guy's loaded. He says, man, I got a bunch of money and I prepared a feast. He says, go out and invite people to come. And they went out and they invited a bunch of people and nobody would show up. So then he says, go out into the highways and the hedges and bid them to come and sit at my table. Why? Just because once you're seated there, then that's where Whatever you need, God says, I'll bring it to you. I'll bring it to you. If you remember the prodigal, you had one son that was always doing. And you had one son who was always uh, spending. God just kept giving him and giving him and giving him and giving him. And finally, the prodigal comes home. I mean, y'all remember the story. The prodigal comes home. And the older son's all mad. He's like, man, I've been, I've been here. I've been giving my life to you uh, Dad, I've been doing everything for you. And the father looks at him and he says, I would have given you everything. Everything was yours, but you're trying to earn it instead of just trying to sit in it. I mean, I remember Mary and Martha. One of them's just working their tail off. And Jesus said, no, no, no. One of them just needs to come what? Just sit down. Until you learn how to sit, you'll never learn how to stand. Until you learn how to sit, you'll never learn how to walk. God wants us to, to figure this out. That our first, your first order of business every day is not to walk. It's not to work. It's to sit. That's your first order of business. But I don't know if you're like me. And the Lord's really, really, really been getting on to me lately. Because I'm trying to work. Work, work, work the church, work the people, work the marketing, work of this and work of that and work. How many of y'all ever ever just work? And the Lord will say, why don't you let me do what I'm supposed to do? Because all you are is the boy that's living at the house. And Jesus Jesus was far from both boys. He was just as far from the boy out there eating with the pigs as he was with the guy that was sitting there trying to do everything by himself. So Jesus says, why don't you just let me be me? Why don't you sit with me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and just let all of you rest on all of me? It is nice to sit down, isn't it? 
I should make y'all stand up while I sit down and preach. I think I'm going to take all the chairs out of here next week and be like, this week is stand. (laughs) Have fun with that. All of you on all of him. All right, if you got your notes, you got a little place you can write some of these things down. I'm going to have to go through them. Every Christian must begin his spiritual life from a place of rest. Christianity doesn't begin with walking. It becomes with, sin, with sitting. I love one thing. One thing Watchman Nee said. I'll give this to you. It says, Christianity begins not with a big, to, big do, but with a big done. I love that. Christianity doesn't begin with a big do. It, become, it begins with a big done. In other words, most times we get saved and we start thinking, well, I got to do this and 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 I got to do this. I got to do this. And in, the, in, 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 the, in God's eyes, all of that has been done. All you got to do is just take all of your weight off of you and cast all of your cares over on him for he cares for you. All of you transferred over to him. Sitting is an attitude of rest and when work is finished, work stops and we rest. I mean, I remember in the Garden of Eden, God created, he created the heaven and, and the earth in how many days? Does anybody know? It's a little Bible trivia for you. Six, that's good, that's good. Look at y'all, little Sunday school graduates. God created the heaven and earth in six days. And after each day, he would say, it is good. He'd say, let there be. And then he would say, it is good. And then on the sixth day, he created Adam. The Bible says he took First off, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Or or one translation says, let us make man a shade lower than ourselves. Lord, help us just grasp what you did for us. God, help me be like Paul. God, I beg you to show them what you showed Paul. God, show us what he understood. God made us a shade lower than himself. Well, I mean, you know, life gets a lot easier whenever you realize that you're a shade lower than God. The, the wealth, he said, I, you're the crown of creation. After he created everything, he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let us make him a speaking spirit. And then he says, you're the crown of creation. Take dominion and multiply. That was his assignment. Take dominion. Take dominion over the beast of the field, the fowl of the air. Take dominion over the lions. Take dominion over the fish. Some of you fishermen, just get in my boat. Jesus' name. (laughs) How many of y'all want to fish like that? Get in my boat. I'm going to get out there and deer hunt. I'm going to say, giant, come to me. I take dominion over you. 200-inch buck, come to me. God's original design, he said, You're the crown of creation. Take dominion and multiply. God worked for six days. Six days. God worked. On the seventh day, he rested. Let's say it like this. When Adam came into consciousness, the work had been done. Adam's first day was God's seventh day. God, Adam woke up to a work 
that's already been done. He didn't have to earn it. He didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to strive. He didn't have to do anything. It wasn't until Adam sinned that once he sinned, God told him, he said, from now on out, you're going to toil. He says, you're going to toil. And the, the earth, you're going to have to dig into the ground in order for it to produce for you. You're going to have to toil for it. But Adam woke up. He came into consciousness and everything was done. How many of y'all in the New Testament, we've been born what? Again. Nicodemus, how many of y'all remember the story? They says, uh, what must a man do to be born again? And he says, uh, uh, well, Jesus said, you need to be born again. He says, how am I going to do that? Do I get back inside my mother? He says, no, you have to be born of the water and born of the spirit what was, what was he saying there? He says, the moment you get born again, you are waking up to a new consciousness of a work that's already been done. You're already accepted. You're already the beloved. You're already forgiven. You're already sealed. You're already destined. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus has been made unto you. How did that happen? Because Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's all that mean? That just means when every day, whenever we come into consciousness, whenever we wake up, we should come into consciousness thinking about what's been done, not what we have to do. If you'll come into consciousness every day thinking about what he's already done for you, what he's already purchased for you. There's three togethers in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 5 and 6. And I gave you some little blanks there in your worship guide. He says that you've been made alive together. Well, we'll just read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6. How much time I got? I'm running out of time. And when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everybody close your eyes. See yourself seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's your perspective. God, we're seated with you. I'm at the right hand of God. The greater one lives in me. I really can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I get my strength from him. I get my wisdom from him. I get my guidance from him. All right, open your eyes. Some of y'all are sleeping. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Christ Jesus has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That just means right now, he's already made unto you wisdom. We know that verse, I have the mind of Christ. How do you have the mind of Christ? You sit into it. You sit down on it. Every new experience in Jesus comes from a new position of sitting down. I don't have to earn the mind of Christ. I'm not trying to get the mind of Christ. I sit down into the reality that I have, God, I have, I have the mind of Christ. He's made unto me wisdom, righteousness. I don't have to earn righteousness. I don't have to walk towards righteousness. He's made unto me righteousness. I have right standing with God. I have sanctification. I have redemption. These are historical facts. These are historical facts in the life 
of Jesus. This is what you have right now, seated at the right hand of God. And we say, well, how do I do that? The first thing you got to do is just come into that consciousness of this is who I am right now. I'm waking up to a new reality today. And the reality that I'm waking up to is I've been born again. I'm waking up. I'm coming into a consciousness of not of I got to do this day one. I got to do this day two. I got to do this. I got to. I'm waking up to a new reality of what he has already done for me. That's my consciousness. That's my new reality. All right, last one and I'll let you go. Every new Christian experience begins with a new sitting down experience. Lots of people, they need healing in their body, and boy, they're trying to get it. But you'll never stand against cancer until you, until you learn how to take your position and sit at his right hand. Once you understand position, then you understand power. Because once you realize the greater one lives in me, and I'm seated in victory... I'm seated at the right hand of God. Well, from that position, now you can stand. But if you're just trying to stand against pornography, or if you're trying to, uh, uh, I'm, I'm walking and I'm trying not to sin. How many of y'all know anybody that's trying not to sin? I'm really trying not to sin. Blankety, blank, blank, blank. Boy, I'm a really working it. And, and they're really trying hard to walk this thing out. But until they learn how to sit, They'll never really learn how to walk. So every new experience is just saying, God, I'm seated with you in heavenly places. God, I'm, I'm sitting with you. I was crucified. I was quickened. I was raised. I was seated. These are all historical facts of what Christ has done for us. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting, we're fighting from victory. Last verse, Isaiah chapter 40. And I didn't give this one to you in your worship, God. But the Lord showed me this one last night real late. And I'll close with Isaiah chapter 40. Because this is a verse that we all kind of know. We kind of know this verse. Many of you have been in church, if you grew up in church. Number 29 of Isaiah chapter 40, it says, He gives power to the weak. King James says he gives power to the faint. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. What's that mean? No matter how young you are, you'll fall. No matter how strong you think you are, you'll fall. No matter uh, uh, the, the muscles that you got or the, in, the in, intestinal fortitude, everybody wavers and falls and struggles and slips. Well, how do we not do that? He says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So the Lord just showed us me like this. Is whenever your weight gets off of you, you just get a new weight, right? You just wait on him. When you wait on the Lord, then you will renew your strength. He says you'll mount up with wings like eagles. You shall run and not be weary. And you shall, what? Walk and not, what? Faint. Even in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40, he says... You'll have to learn how to wait before you can walk. 
If you never learn how to wait on the Lord and let him renew your strength, then you'll never be successful walking. And I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I've tried to do a lot of walking. These boots are made (laughs) for what? They are made for walking, man. We are made for walking. If you grow up in church, you grow up learning how to walk. Right? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You can't do this. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't watch this. Don't do this. Don't wear that. You don't do that. Da, 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 da. They got to be here. Got to be there. Got to be there. We learn a lot about walking. But what was in Paul's, uh, the Apostle Paul's guts was, he says, first, I want you to understand where you're seated. Because you're far above all principality, power, might. Every demon, he says, you're above it. Angels, you're above it. You're a shade lower than God himself. You're the crown of his creation. You need to see yourself seated with him in heavenly places. And if you can do that, he says, you'll renew your strength like an eagle. And you'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. But we have to know our position. We have to know where we are. We're seated with him.